Welcome to the Catholic Cafe, where all that the Catholic Church believes and teaches is served fresh daily. So come on in and see what's on the menu today. Now, here's your host, Deacon Jeff Drzezemski. Greetings and welcome to the Catholic Cafe. I'm Deacon Jeff, sitting in the luxurious corner booth of the Catholic Cafe, actually the French Catholic Cafe. Robert Hutton is here with me. And Robert, as, as we always do, we love coming to Lourdes and experiencing the great the pilgrimage of the Order of Malta. And just, it's a wonderful, beautiful city, isn't it? It is, because not only the malades, the food, the prayer, but we also meet fascinating people from all over the country. And, and we have a fascinating person with us today. We do. Not a bishop, a priest, but uh, close. We have an abbot with us who's That's been on the right. show before. We have Abbot Placid Solari. And, and Abbot, you're uh, from the Belmont Abbey. Where is that in North Carolina? It's right outside of Charlotte in sort of south, uh, southwestern North Carolina. Well, I'm sure it's a beautiful country. It I've is. been there once. It was a, it was a beautiful place to visit. Uh, and you call that home. That is. And, you know, it's interesting being here in Lourdes because we're in a place where, you know, really you come here and if you're Catholic, you feel right at home here, right? You, you freely express your, your faith and, you know, all the shops reflect, right, your Catholic faith. You can buy everything under the sun with, with pictures of Mary and Jesus and, and whatnot on them. And, and obviously there's no problem being Catholic here in Lourdes, but... You know, can we say that's true all over? We, we, we want to bring you in on here because you've got some stuff going on in Belmont Abbey, particularly, that's, uh, that's actually quite an interesting uh, and maybe even uh, disturbing. disturbing and saddening uh, situation where the, you know, the federal government is starting to move in and tighten uh, what we would uh, consider ordinary freedoms. Uh, how has that affected... Um, just this, the Abbey and the future of the Abbey and the future of the faith and, and, the, and the faith of the people that, are, that, are, that you, that you, uh, that you serve. Well, we just celebrated in April the 137th anniversary of the founding of the Abbey and the college that we sponsor. And the federal government's actions actually impact primarily or principally the Belmont Abbey College as the HHS mandate in connection with the Affordable Care Act would force us, as well as other Catholic institutions, to provide as part of our ordinary health care to employees and to students contraceptives, including abortifacients and voluntary sterilization, all of which, of course, are contrary to the clear, authoritative public teaching of the Catholic Church. In Abbott, so this is the requiring, basically, the monastery to pay for things that you the, believe are The monastery wrong? would probably be so-called exempt under the way that the government is attempting to propose the rules. That'd be the monks would be exempt from the... The, the monastery itself. The college, right. which is, although sponsored by the, the monastery since the beginning and ultimately is owned by the, the monastic community, is separately incorporated with its own board of trustees and administrators. And that would be the one uh, the government is trying to force not parishes or dioceses, they've agreed that those are probably religious, but don't see Catholic institutions, which of course are carrying out the mission of the church in health care and education and social work as somehow religious enough. So it could be like a Catholic school, even a parish get on a school, but my understanding is they're taking a position that the school is somehow not part of a religious mission because it's got teachers and things like that. 
It may, I don't know if for parochial schools or not. Certainly it would be independent Catholic high schools. It, could affect, it certainly affects Catholic colleges and universities. But certainly in your situation, in, in Belmont College, you would think that someone attending Belmont College, that they would be receiving the, the fullness of the faith as part of the education, that it well, would be not contrary to the faith. As I said, we've celebrated the 137th anniversary of the monastery and the college, and we have always clearly presented ourselves as a, a Catholic institution. And interestingly enough, North Carolina was and may still be the state with the lowest percentage of Catholics. Most of our history, it was less than one-half of a percent, and yet the education's offered to anyone who wished to avail themselves of it not to proselytize so they didn't have to convert to Catholicism to graduate, but certainly the education was presented out of the Catholic intellectual tradition with its values and clearly as a Catholic institution. And Abbott, monasteries for centuries have educated and preserved, taught people the faith, preserved learning. I mean, isn't this, I mean, this is part of the mission of the Christian faith is to also to teach to teach the gospel, but to, to expose people to Catholic moral views, Catholic teaching, and things of that nature, right? Well, that's why the, the so-called exemption that the Health and Human Services mandate is proposing to, to offer is interesting because, at least initially, it was restricted religious institutions to those who primarily employed persons of the same faith and served persons of the same faith. But certainly, at least the Catholic faith tells you that it's an obligation from the Lord himself to feed the hungry to clothe the naked, to visit prisoners, not because they're Catholic, but because they're hungry, naked prisoners or sick. Because you're Catholic, not because right, they're Catholic. Right. So, well, what is the administration threatening to, to do? What, what's, what's happening to where there's this a, attack on religious liberty? Well, precisely in forcing institutions to offer as part of their health care programs, that is sponsored officially by the institution, um, services that are contrary to the authoritative teaching of the, of the magisterium. Right. So basically forcing a Catholic institution to pay for something which That's is gravely, gravely immoral. Yes, judged by the church so intrinsically immoral. what are your options then based on what's been presented to you? Uh, you either have to cave in and do that, and then you're no longer essentially following the teachings of the church, or you have to close things. What, what, what are your options? How do you how do you how are you guys going to wrestle with that? Or is it an ongoing discussion? It's, it's an ongoing discussion. We've been fortunate to have the Beckett Fund for Religious Liberty take. We were the first. Belmont Abbey College was the first institution to file suit against the mandate through the good offices of the Beckett Fund. So I think that's the way it needs to be pursued at this time. As it's being presented, I think, and largely seen in the question diffused as the federal government offering an exemption for the practice of your religion when in fact that's a fundamental right and the federal government has no exemption to offer. It has an obligation to recognize the, I mean, the rights safeguarded in the Constitution. So that's the first sort of fallacy in the way this is being presented. In this conversation, we're talking about Belmont Abbey College, right? We're talking about your particular situation, but the average person listening to this right now may think that, well, that's not really affecting me because that's Belmont Abbey's issue and that's what's going on there. But really, if the government can do that, right, they can start 
infringing on, on religious rights in other places, in other forms as well, can't they? Well, it's, it's clearly not only a Catholic issue. Our suit has been conjoined together, consolidated with the suit by Wheaton College, which, is, of course, is a very prestigious, well-known evangelical college. So it's not simply a Catholic issue. The concern precisely is the attempt of the federal government to define what is the church's practices and mission. And if they can do that, then they can intrude on other rights that allegedly are guaranteed in the the Constitution. I have heard many uh, evangelicals, I've heard uh, many Protestants joining in this. And actually, I was listening to a, an evangelical radio station one time, and I heard a guy talking on there, and he was, ta- he was a Baptist, and he was talking about the fact that uh, uh, even though this was about essentially about contraception and, and things like that, that weren't typically issues that Protestants deal with, they were talking about this is incredibly important for everyone to pay attention to because we're, we're talking about religious liberty, liberty here. Right. We're not just talking about your right or so-and-so's right to contraception. And it's, and it's not just contraception. It's also uh, medications that would, in the Catholic point of view, be really abortifacients. Mm-hmm. Uh, and again, I think part of the issue is the terminology that's being used to present this, being presented as somehow a women's rights issue. It's being presented as if uh, it's ignoring the fact that it, it would seem pretty clear that human life or a distinct human life begins at conception. Uh, so the whole question of sort of diffusing terms or it seems to be misinformation that's being diffused. But Abbott, don't you see that always? Whenever we're talking about trying to live our faith in the public square that what ends up happening is they they redefine something by using different words and instead of something being um, you know pro-abortion, it becomes pro-choice. Right, well things like that, but also I think for us as Catholics or as Christians, um, We've perhaps gotten complacent and think that something's wrong when you have to stand up for your faith or that you're attacked for that, uh, when in fact it's pretty clear that that seems part of the the New Testament, that you're going to have to defend it Mm. and stand up and witness to it, and that that might have some difficulties attached to it. And Abbott, this is not a singular case. I mean, we've seen all over the country now, like I think Chicago no longer can provide adoptions because they said we can't adopt to a same-sex couple. It's contrary to our faith. So they've, they had to quit performing adoptions. Mm-hmm. And we're seeing Catholic uh, hospitals with distributing contraceptions. And there are a lot of, time, there are a lot of areas where our government seems to be saying you, that it's okay to be religious as long as it's just in the walls of your church. But they're trying to force Catholic institutions, Catholic charities and to, to do things that are directly contrary to their faith. That's mean they're trying to redefine religious faith and the work of the church as a sort of private affair between oneself or, and God or between just the members of the same faith. And so it seems to, be, to me to be an attempt of the government to define what the church is. And up till now, that has not been the governance role at all in the United States. And so that it's, a, it's an intolerance almost, not that, in, for example, in the health care issue, Catholic institutions would probably represent at most, uh, I don't have the data, but I would say estimate 10%, if that much, of health care plans. So if the administration wishes to have contraception covered, it has probably 90% of plans. Uh, so why spend taxpayer money to try to 
infringe on free exercise of religion. But that also brings up the question, which is not our direct concern, what about private companies such as Hobby Lobby who are being told by the government that they have to provide services that go against the conscience of the owner? So I was asking when you think, well, it's just Belmont Abbey, it's just education, it's just mm-hmm. colleges, but really it's reaching out in, in so many other arenas, mm-hmm. and it's going to be harder and harder to practice your, your faith, whatever it happens to be. I think so. Well, you know, Deacon, too, I think our Catholic faith is set, you know, we have very strong values with respect to life, with respect to traditional marriage, and I think as the society becomes more secular and those views become more foreign, those that are opposed to church teachings tend to become more hostile to it. I think we're going to see more and more attacks on what we as Catholics believe or attacks on our institutions because we stand up for things that we always have in terms of life, in terms of traditional family, that it's um, it's a disturbing, growing trend over the last 20 to 30 years. Well, that's what I mean. There seems to be an intolerance behind this. You mentioned the issue in Illinois, also in, in Massachusetts. Um, if Catholic social service or Catholic charities or Catholic adoption services were the only show in town, uh, the only agency providing adoptions, you could see where the government might take an issue, but they're not. Nor are we the only educational institution. It's We've always presented ourselves as Catholic. The employees, both Catholic and non-Catholic, recognize that it's an institution that conducts itself according to the teachings of the Catholic Church, and no one is forced to work there. These are all all uh, difficult issues that we're we're talking about here, and and I think hopefully for some of our listeners, maybe some eye opening uh, is going on here, and we have more to talk about when we get back with Abbot Placid Solari, and we're going to uh, do that in just a second. But first, I want to remind folks at home that we have a great website, www.thecatholiccafe.com. I'd love you to email me, uh, Deacon Jeff at thecatholiccafe.com, and so we'll have more coverage here on this important issue when we get right back. I'm Bess Drzemski, and this is another great moment in church history. St. Thomas More was born in London, England in 1478, son of Sir John More, a prominent judge. After receiving a firm grounding in religion and the classics, he decided to follow in the footsteps of his father and pursue a career in law. He studied law at Oxford, where he also continued to pursue his love of Greek and Latin literature. He did well among the elite in the inner societal circles, making many new and influential friends, including both bishops and scholars. But he also became a man torn between his father's world of civil service and his eternal father's world of the church. In fact, he submitted himself to the discipline of the Carthusian monks living at a nearby monastery, and he seriously considered joining their order. St. Thomas's desire for the religious life was finally overcome by his greatly felt calling to serve the common good through governance and politics. But his devotions to prayer, fasting, and penance would remain with him and serve him well the rest of his life. He became a barrister and was soon headed for Parliament, where he became known as fair-minded and impartial and a friend to the poor. After several years of successful service, St. Thomas More caught the eye of King Henry VIII. St. Thomas garnered the King's favor and was made Speaker of the House of Commons, then eventually Lord Chancellor. All was going well for St. Thomas when his meteoric rise to prominence came to an abrupt halt. 
Unfortunately, King Henry sought permission from the Pope in Rome to divorce his wife, Catherine of Aragon, and marry his new love, Anne Boleyn. St. Thomas, well-versed in church law and devoted to her teachings, knew that the king's sacramental bond to Catherine was indissoluble and refused to endorse the king's plan. When the king severed ties with the universal church and decreed himself to be head of the church in England, St. Thomas More resigned his post. He was eventually imprisoned in the Tower of London, along with his friend John Fisher, the only Catholic bishop who had refused to acknowledge King Henry VIII as the new head of the church. The two men were tried for treason and put to death within days of each other. Before he was beheaded in 1535, St. Thomas More quietly said, I die the king's good servant, but God's first. St. Thomas More is the patron saint of lawyers. His feast day is June 22nd. I'm Bess Trzymski, and this is another great moment in church history. Welcome back to the Catholic Cafe. Here's Deacon Jeff. And we're back in the luxurious corner booth of the French Catholic Cafe here in Lourdes. Uh, and we're still here with Abbot Blassett Solari. And Abbot, tell us, we were now kind of, let's, let's look at all aspects of this. And we just maybe want to bring another aspect in that we haven't talked about yet. And that is the press. The media. Yeah, we haven't heard about this, really. I mean, I mean I you hear, uh, you'll hear an inkling of things here and there. But you, we don't hear about Belmont Abbey College very much at all. You don't see too much in the, the media about the challenge to the, the Health and Human Services mandate. And that's amazing because, of course, freedom of the press is also a right guaranteed by the First Amendment. Such coverage as I've, I've seen oftentimes presents this as a, a women's health or women's rights issue as, and not a freedom of religion issue. Uh, but I think it's rather naive to think that if you acquiesce in the infringement of one First Amendment right, that is, free exercise of religion, that another First Amendment right, that is, the freedom of the press, will be held inviolate. And you, that's been amazing with the, the media coverage. You know, it's interesting, Abbott. I mean, I'm, I'm a lawyer and do a lot of civil rights work myself. And in the past, religious freedom and religious right had always had such a primary importance in our society. So that even when you have tensions, for example, like the Amish don't like to educate past the eighth grade, but the the religious rights of the Amish trump sort of the, mm-hmm. the laws for, for education. And it's, it's interesting because we're starting to see that uh, the secular society we're in and the federal government trying to say, well, we don't care that much about religion. If it's something you want to do in in the Mm -hmm. pew, but it's important for us to distribute uh, contraceptives, so we're going to tell Catholic doctors they have to do that, or Catholic hospitals they have to do it. Or we want to promote uh, marriage as being any, you know, whether two men or two women, and so therefore we're going to make a Catholic uh, um, institution adopt two same-sex couples, even if they think that that's fundamentally wrong. Uh, and, and so we see that there's a, a weakening of um, sort of the respect for religious rights, other than if that's something you want to do sort of in, in the mm-hmm. privacy of your, the four walls of your church. And that's what I mean. There seems to be just a growing intolerance of an ability to recognize the important role that religion has played in the country and in its history. 
it's disturbing too, for example, by forcing Catholic institutions, schools, hospitals, to go against the teachings of the church. You essentially attack their identity as Catholic institutions, and the danger would be the country is going to be left with only the government that's in health care or in education. It makes all the decisions. It makes all the decisions. My brother-in-law is a priest, and he was even mentioning, I mean, there's a state law now in the the state where the Catholic Cafe is recorded where priests under certain uh, circumstances by law are supposed to reveal, even if they learn something under the seal Mm -hmm. of confession, Mm -hmm. if it's certain crimes, certain offenses, Mm -hmm. which, of course, he is a priest and you as abbot, you could not not do. do. Um, That has been traditionally recognized, the... The seal of confession has been traditionally respected in civil law. Again, that's you're not going to start revealing things right un, under that seal. That's, no. So that's that's that, so that's you not end possible. up going to jail or being fined. Same with the the contraceptive mandate. The fines are punitive to such an extent that they can put the institution out of existence. And, and again, school. this is it, I mean, I don't want to paint this, this terrible picture, but we need to wake up and realize that there's a lot of disturbing things going on. I, I've, I've joked with my kids, and it's not so much a joke anymore, but in, you know, five, ten years, it, it might be a crime for me to preach at Mass about certain things. It might, they'll be classified as hate speech, mm-hmm. and I'll be arrested because I, I, I said something that was Basically, just following Catholic teaching mm-hmm. in in a loving way, mm-hmm. as as Christ intended, right? And but that will be classified as hate speech. And this is all this is all kind of coming from the same. Place. Well, it's the same way of of sort of the language doesn't mean anything anymore. Such as we can redefine marriage; it really has no meaning. The danger is it's all based on one's will. And what's going to happen, these proponents should think, 40 years from now, if there's a switch, if you don't say there's an inherent meaning to things, um, then what leg do you have to stand on Mm. to defend what you're claiming as your rights? Absolutely. As we've seen freedom of religion eroding, we've also seen freedom of speech eroding. You have, if people stand up for traditional Catholic beliefs, whether it's about marriage or about life, um, a lot of times they're either shunned in the media or they're shunned in the workplace and if we allow, because we think there's a greater good, of everyone needs to have access to contraception, so we're going to force religious institutions to do that, well, why don't we force silence their speech? I mean, that's a very, I mean, it's a very serious well, problem. It's similar to, to abortion being presented as a women's health issue, whereas abortion is 100% fatal to unborn women. In fact, it might be the largest um, reason of, of I mean, Think about Death it. of women could yeah. be. Now, a lot I of this, again, goes back to the media and the press, and we were talking about, uh, you know, freedom of the press. I don't – I wonder how much of this is, you know, that, that the press is being stifled or that they're choosing not to cover certain things in certain ways. I, I don't want to start talking about conspiracy theories and agendas, but do you think there's a uh, – that there's not necessarily a lot of truth in the reporting that, that is being done? Well, there's a whole – cultural issue of questioning is there any such thing as truth so i don't think there's any conspiracy i think yeah. it's simply the the evidence of what the culture is that one's dealing with well do you see though that uh, that there are things that the average catholic as he is they're listening to this now they're they're thinking well i did hear that coverage and that does make sense but i haven't heard about this belmont abbey college thing how how do people find out more and then what do the average folk do well, if they want to find out more about our case, they can go to the website for the Beckett Fund uh, for Religious Liberty, which will have the information on the lawsuit itself. 
if they want more education on the erosion of religious freedom, I would think the bishop's website, uh, the Conference of Bishops, would be helpful on that. Um, and ultimately, I think they need to speak up with their elected representatives and either email, write, or otherwise contact them that this is a concern because it's the executive branch at the moment of the federal government which is leading the intrusion and the erosion of, of religious freedom. And I think, though, that, that that gets to the core of it, what the average person thinks and does, because so, so much of this is happening where, where some of us are being lulled into sleep mm-hmm. into thinking that things aren't issues when, they, when mm-hmm. they truly are. And when you say things like, well, let your elected officials know, and when you're talking about what would be a religious issue, then you'll, people start saying, oh, well, see, that's, there's a separation between church and state. So, you know, this is where it gets – it's funny. You can't talk about church and state when you're doing it's that. It's not a question of separation <laughs> of church and state. It's a fundamental right of American citizens to exercise Amen. freely their religion and thus to express their concerns. Also another right in the Bill of Rights to address their, their legislators, address the government for relief of grievances. Right, to protect our right to worship as we see fit and, and as, we, as we believe. Mm-hmm. So, and Abbott, as, a, as a, the Abbott, I don't know if people know this, but you're like the father of the, the community, basically. Um, and do you have any concerns if this keeps on going, uh, that there'll ever be a time where, I mean, you're being forced to choose between, I mean, to stand up for your faith could, could cause fines or persecution? or I mean, Well, well already, according to the mandate for contraceptive services in, in connection with the Affordable Care Act, will cause crippling fines unless uh, we're able to prevail in the courts that this is a fundamental right. It would be fines that could be so crippling that you would have to close your institutions. Well, we certainly need to uh, invoke the intercession of St. Thomas More. And who, well, who else do we, we talk to in, uh, in this situation? Well, since we're here in Lourdes, we might ask the Mother oh. of God or she would... <laughs> Well, I'll tell you what, that's a, that's, a, that's a great thing to do. And in fact, Abbott, maybe you can close this in prayer. But I do thank you for, for helping us uh, better understand this issue that some people might think is a, a distant uh, issue that doesn't affect their day-to-day life. But we, we all should realize that this could very soon affect all of us in a very direct way. I believe it could. Amen. So uh, why don't you lead us in prayer, and we'll, we'll ask the Blessed Mother for a little help. Let us pray through the intercession of Our Lady of Lourdes. And, Father, we ask that you guide us always according to your will. Give us courage to do what you teach. And in all things, bless our country, bless our leaders, and lead us all one day to your kingdom together. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. for listening to The Catholic Cafe. For more information, visit us on the web at thecatholiccafe.com. You'll find many links to Catholic resources on the web. You can also listen to previous shows online, download MP3s, or take advantage of our podcast feature. If you'd like to contact Deacon Jeff, send an email to deaconjeff at thecatholiccafe.com. The Catholic Cafe is brought to you by the Order of Malta Federal Association and is broadcast with ecclesial permission from J. Terry Stive, Bishop of Memphis in Tennessee. Join us again at the Catholic Cafe. There's always room for one more at our table.